Thanks, Cameron. Hi, my name is Daniel, one of uh, two pastors at the church uh, at Grace Sacramento. Whether it's your first time with us this morning or you've been here uh, an umpteenth number of times, we're so glad you're worshiping with us this morning. Uh, we're, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, this morning I come to you a gallbladderless. <clears throat> I've, been, I've been trying to get rid of unnecessary body parts. My uh, appendix might be next, and then my tonsils. Uh, wisdom teeth I've already pulled out. I'm not sure if I need my pinky, but that may be next after that. But my gallbladder had to go, and so I'm a new person this morning. I'm even thinking about changing my name and giving myself a new identity. I may even call myself Timothy. You guys had to be here, I guess, a few weeks back. I'm thankful to be back. Uh, thank you for the words of encouragement, uh, text messages, and prayers, and meals, and cards. And, and I, just, I, I think uh, for, for myself and for our family, we feel so loved and cared for by the church. And so thank you so much. Well, today is special for another reason. We are in a season, the start of the new Christian calendar that begins today. Uh, as we said, Happy New Year. Uh, Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's carved out, a time carved out in the Christian calendar uh, as a way for us to remember Christ's first coming and his birth in a manger, but also a way for us to eagerly anticipate and prepare for the coming of Christ again. What a glorious day that will be. So we're spending the next four weeks lighting candles, walking through the incarnation of Christ, just a fancy word that means a Christ who was in very nature God, becoming a human being with a skin and bone and blood, just like you and me. And we're calling this a short series, The Word Became Flesh, as we make our way through the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. Now, if you're unfamiliar, there are four different accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, the first four books of the Gospels uh, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of these different accounts presents a different picture of Jesus, a different side of his, his person and ministry. So, for example, Matthew gives us an account of, of Jesus as the rightful king of the Jews who had been promised and, and prophesied in the Old Testament and through the Old Testament prophets. The gospel writer Mark depicts Jesus as the servant who came to pay the, the ransom for our sins. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. You can look it up. Luke seems to have uh, Gentile readers in mind as he describes uh, Jesus as the perfect man. We find uh, his humanness. Uh, Luke features his kindness towards the weak, the suffering, and the outcast. But the gospel of John... But the Gospel of John is different. It's different than the other three. John's introduction and perspective is unique. He doesn't begin with the ministry of Jesus or even his birth. He doesn't give us a genealogy like the other Gospels do. The Gospel of John does not begin like the other Gospel writings. Instead, John takes us all the way back to the beginning. 
John gives us a prologue. If you don't know what a prologue is, a backstory, maybe, a story before the story, or maybe an explanation of what's to come, a backstory to the rest of the story, an appetizer before we hit the main course, setting the stage for the rest of the book, a prologue. You may know, you may know the prologue of Romeo and Juliet, the two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona, where we lay our scene, from ancient grudge break to a new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean, from forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured, uh, piteous overthrows. You may remember that, or remember this, you may remember this prologue, repulsed by her haggard appearance, the prince sneered at the gift and turned the old women away. But she warned him not to be deceived by appearances, for beauty is found within. And when he dismissed her again, the old woman's ugliness melted away to reveal a beautiful enchantress. The prince tried to apologize, but it was too late, for she had seen that there was no love in his heart. Yeah, you guys know it. Beauty and the Beast. Or this one. In a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And in a similar fashion, the Gospel of John begins the same way. I mean, if Star Wars had been written first, it might have been written this way a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But John begins with these words. In the beginning. Unlike the other three Gospels, this one takes you way back. Not just 2,000 years ago, but to the very beginning of time, at least time in the way that we know it. In the beginning. John begins this way, and you may know this, but Genesis starts this way, and some of you may know this. The book of 1 John begins this way. In the beginning. It all starts in the beginning. John 1 1, or 1 John 1 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. For Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens. And the earth. And this morning we're looking at John chapter 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The author takes us way back to the beginning of time when nothing else existed except for the triune God, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They were present when chaos was turned into creation. When God at his command used words to bring into existence ex nihilo, right, from, from nothing, everything. When God breathed his breath, the, the Hebrew word is nephesh, into life, uh, the human being created in his own image. And again, it all happens in the beginning. You see, it seems that John is saying, in order for us to understand the present situation, when the fullness of time had come, 
We have to understand, again, what happened in past history. John's prologue provides us with insights which enhance our understanding of and appreciation of the birth narratives of Matthew and Luke. These two Gospels highlight the humanity of Jesus without minimizing his deity. And what John does is quite the opposite. He emphasizes the the deity, the divinity of Jesus without minimizing his humanity. And if we are to celebrate Advent in its fullest meaning, we cannot neglect the truths which John's prologue contains in the beginning. You see, if you or or I were to structure a book, to put it together, to be the author of a book, we may have written in a way that subtly let the identity of Jesus grow on you as you read and perhaps wonder, who is this man? But not John. John gets right to the point and says, This God became flesh and blood, became a man, and made his dwelling among us. And John means for us to read every word of this gospel with a clear and solid and amazed knowledge that Jesus Christ, who was with God and is God, was present at the very beginning, who created the whole universe, and by the end of the gospel, lays his life down for you and for me. My friends, John tells us the story of Christmas does not begin with a baby in the gospels. It begins at the beginning of time. The authors make a profound, weighty claim on the identity of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I believe John's point in the prologue in this gospel is more than just what Jesus said. It's so much more than, I think, what Jesus did. And the point of John's gospel, and again, especially in the prologue, is he wants us to come to a grip of who he is. Yes, we'll get to the stuff that he says, and and John is filled with these great I am statements. Again, Jesus' claim of who he was. The Gospel of John will give us the seven miracles, or or, uh, as as John likes to say it, the, the seven signs, those things that Jesus did to show us who he was. But all these things, what he said, his claims about himself, and what he did, those things that show us, again, The bottom line, the the main purpose of of John's gospel, that we would know who he is. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So as we think about Advent, what does this mean for us? I'm going to do a couple of things here. I'm going going to look at the gospel of John and tie it in as as much as I can with... um, the first book of the Old Testament, the first book of the Bible, it's the book of Genesis. And I think this is John's point. He's trying to, uh, to take the gospel of John. Again, he's, he's giving us a, a description of who Jesus is and tying it way back, 
way back to the very beginning of time and saying, again, these are intricately connected. So in the beginning. So in the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so again, what is John claiming about Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Again, John is saying Jesus is the Word, and the Word is God. What is John claiming about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Again, he's showing us that he's, he's divinity without loss of humanity. Again, here is a perfect man, a perfect God, the God-man who is 100% God and yet 100% man. The God who is fully divine and, and just like you and me, fully human. John tells us that, again, he existed in eternity past, that he has always been that he wasn't created. John tells us that there's a, there's a distinction, both in relation to the Trinity, that he is the, uh, uh, a God, that Jesus was God, who is separate from God the Father and, and separate from God the Holy Spirit. There's a distinctiveness to, to Jesus Christ, that he's, he's like us in every way, and yet in every way he's not. John calls Jesus... The Word. In the beginning, God. And I love how John does this. Again, in the Gospel of John, he uses the word word to equate that to, to Jesus as God. And again, if you read through, again, the, the first book of the Old Testament, in Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, and then there's a subject, right? There's a subject of of the, the whole book of Genesis, and I, I would even argue the whole book of the Bible, again, the subject of the whole book of the Old and New Testament is about God. So again, it says, in the beginning, giving us a time reference, it said, in the beginning, God. And John does the exact same thing when we get to the Gospels. In the beginning. And here's the subject. Was the Word. Many pages have been written on the possible links between John's concept of the word in relation to how uh, it was used in Greek philosophy. They viewed the logos, again, which is a fancy Greek word. It's uh, the word for word, the logos. You may have uh, seen bookstores. I know we have one in my town called Logos Bookstore, right? It's, uh, it's word. And again, that logos ruled the universe. And the problem is we don't really know to what extent John may or may not have used uh, or had Greek concepts in mind when he called Jesus the Word. And perhaps Jesus uh, or John, aware of the Greek ideas, he used this term to show the true meaning of the word logos. But I, and I think, um, again, he's tying it to the, the section in Genesis 1. Again, uh, Genesis 1 primarily roots his meaning of logos in the Old Testament, where it says, and God said. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Or verse 9 repeats, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Psalm 107, verse 20 declares, he sent his word and healed them. God's word accomplishes the purposes for which he sends it forth. Isaiah 55, verse 11, there is creative power in the word of God and Jesus is that word. And so when John calls Jesus the word, he means that God has spoken to us and revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal creator of all things. 
The text also tells us that he created all things. Again, just like the book of Genesis, he created all things. John makes a claim of the eternality of Christ. He was in the beginning. He always existed in eternity past. Everything that is, everything that exists, that, he, that has existed and will exist, owes its origin and its being to Jesus. He is the one who spoke and said, let there be, and there was. He brought the world, the vastness of the universe, into being. I mean, it's so profound, again, where Jesus is equated to God, and again, in John's words, in the beginning was the Word. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, uh, I think Paul captures this well. In the epistle to the Colossians, Paul writes, He is the image. Again, here is, uh, is John trying to explain the same thing. Again, he's saying, here is God himself. If you've never seen God, which most of us haven't, Jesus is the personified person of God. Colossians 1, 15-20 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Not to say that He was born. Uh, that word firstborn really is to capture that uh, He was the beloved of God. Uh, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile uh, to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And so again, John is comparing, again, Jesus, the, the incarnate Word, again, the God Himself, in the Gospel of John, just like Genesis does with, with God, uh, the pre-existent one, being there, creating all things to himself. Let me continue. And then again, as we get through this next section, in John chapter 1, in verse 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I mean, if you can see some parallels... Uh, again, the thing that we may remember the most as we think about the creation account is, is God says, let there be light. And John is using the same cue, and he's saying light and life. If you look at the whole of Genesis chapter 1, it's a story about the producing of life, every living thing, whether plant or animal or the first human being, again, God breathes into the first man, and there's life. Did you know that John, the gospel writer John, uses life 36 times in the Gospels, more than any other book in the New Testament? There's a contrast. There's a contrast between life and death. There's a contrast between light and darkness. There's a contrast between chaos and order between nothing and everything. And here are the contrasts. As we read through verses 4 and 5, again, here we see that, again, there is life that's being born again. So the application is those who are spiritually dead in their sins and need life, and Jesus, again, is that source of life. They are spiritually in darkness, but they are born again when Jesus comes to bring life and light. 
The light comes into the darkness. The creator has come into his creation. And again, it's, it's, it's astonishing again here, this contrast between these two things. In Genesis 1-3, light is created by God's word. And God said, let there be light. And again, the writer says, uh, and there was light. Indeed, light characterizes God's glory, and we'll see this in, in verses, uh, verse 114 in John's gospel, where Jesus, the Logos, the co-creator, is the bringing, bringer of light and the bringer of life to all mankind. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Here, John introduces the theme of, of a war between spiritual light and darkness that pervades his gospel. Here, Christ's light rep represents and, and brings life, and light is bringing, brimming an inextinguish inextinguishable life. And again, it's actively working in the darkness. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And again, it tells us again here that there's a, a contrast between, again, this darkness and light in Genesis and the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. So what's John's point? John's point in this opening and stunning description of Jesus is this, to tell us that he's the eternal word, the one who has always existed. He is the creator of all things, that he reveals a life and light of God to this dark world because he is the eternal God, and that we should believe in him and submit everything to him, uh, to our lives as a... Uh, as, a, as an offering to the sovereign Lord because he's creator. We should worship him as we see the, the handiwork of all that he has made. And again, if his life is in us, our salvation is secure because he is our life. And we should be filled with hope because we will spend eternity with him. So why did Jesus come into the world? Probably the greatest question we can ever ask. Why the God-man? Why did Jesus come to dwell with us? Why did he endure what he had to endure? Why did he have to come from the environment that he had been for all eternity to come into the sinful world? The answer is pretty simple. To bring sinners like you and me into fellowship with the Father and with him and with the Holy Spirit, why was the word made flesh? To give us a second birth, to give us, to bring us out of our sin and misery and the darkness of our condition into fellowship with God. In the beginning. The, the, the passage is so powerful that we've split it up four ways. We'll look at the first 18 verses over the next four weeks, but here is God in living color. That he would come to dwell with us. The God of the universe, the one who was there in the very beginning, the one who created all things and brought everything into existence, would come to dwell, like, dwell with people like you and me. My friends, story. The Advent story is the beginning of the new year. The Advent uh, season that we celebrate is, is the mark of a, of a new birth, of a second birth for us. And again, that's what we come to celebrate. We come to celebrate, again, his, uh, his, his coming to us in human form. 